Welcome back to PriceFile. My name is Mike and we are back here with Sean Wells. We just had an incredible rip this morning talking about all sorts of stuff. Your book, The Energy Formula. Check out that episode, check out this book. Um, one thing that we haven't done, we've had, we've had a pretty solid video and podcast episode in the past talking about berberine and then eventually at the end we kind of get into an ingredient known as Glucovantage by NMB Nutrition. It is dihydroberberine. I want to like just cut to the chase. Let's just talk straight away about dihydroberberine and um, and talk about the benefits of this ingredient. And I want to know like, is this still after all the stuff that's happened over the last couple of years? It's July of uh, twenty twenty one right now. Is this still your top ingredient or one of your top ingredients? And just like, let's just talk dihydroberberine. Let's jump right it, into this one. It is. It's the single most important ingredient I think anyone could take. This is my number one ingredient as a formulator as a biochemist like this is the ingredient i think first and foremost everyone should be taking why do i say that let's start with metformin the drug the anti-diabetic drug that's been used for over 20 years uh, in longevity circles now it's been used since i believe the 1920s or so or somewhere in the, in the 40s it's been used for a while uh, originally for flu which is really interesting uh, but then it went into an anti-diabetic drug uh, and over the last 20 years it's been seen that wait there's some kind of correlation with like lower hemoglobin A1C levels, lower CRP levels, uh, improved telomere lengths like less methylation errors, you know all these kinds of things that are less metabolic dysfunction and biological aging and diseases are associated with people that have metformin and it would became very popular with people that didn't even have diabetes because we were seeing that yes clearly someone with metabolic dysfunction that had elevated blood glucose and insulin levels benefited from this anti-diabetic drug but we also saw that even people with normoglycemic levels were benefiting from this anti-diabetic drug and mm -hmm. we're seeing that the lower the um, insulin levels, the lower the blood glucose levels uh, chronically are, the longer people are living. And it's correlated to all of these markers that I was just talking about. Inflammation, lipids, like everything. And so there's actually a study going on right now with over 10,000 people. This is, I mean, as big as a study can get mm -hmm. pretty much, uh, using metformin. And so, that shows like how much uh, this is a government funded study uh, this drug is super powerful downsides to metformin GI distress in about a third of the people it got recalled off the market for being tainted last year um, it lowers B12 levels there's some issues with it um, and also you know it's a, it's a drug and there's an access wall there you have to get a prescription <clears throat> right so um, and you know, I would definitely recommend getting it prescription versus going through some kind of, you know, gray market way of getting it. That said, we've seen berberine head-to-head -head in studies be as effective, if not more effective, than metformin. So that's cool. Berberine is a supplement, is herbally derived from like Berberus aristata and some other plants. And it's every bit as powerful as metformin, if not more so on a few levels. Like in the study, they showed it was superior on affecting lipids, 
um, cholesterol values, uh, et cetera, and inflammation. And so they're very similar chemicals uh, in how they work and how they act. They work on this AMK pathway, uh, absolutely fascinating compounds. So we now know the most effective anti-aging drug. We now know that berberine outperforms it and is a natural version of it. Berberine still has some GI distress. Berberine has bioavailability issues. And uh, berberine um, you know, isn't as effective for everyone because of the bioavailability issues. There's some bioindividuality. Like, so for some people, berberine is very effective. Some people, it's not. But what we're seeing is the downstream metabolite that berberine converts into is dihydroberberine. Mm -hmm. In the gut, that's what happens. And it could be, some people have theorized it has to do with the gut microbiome, the bacteria that are there, um, that maybe some people are more efficient at converting berberine to dihydroberberine, and some people are less so. And it just may happen that the people who need this ingredient the most have the worst performing gut health, That's, and they're not. And we, they're, that in vicious, is, they're in a vicious circle. Where that is how the data looks. Right. That is exactly how the data looks. And it seems like the people that have more GI distress are the people that have the worst, you know, hemoglobin A1Cs and, right. and things like that. So you're right. That is the way it looks. Um, so what's really cool. Dihydroberberine, this metabolite, about five times the bioavailability, meaning if you have 500 milligrams be the dose for uh, berberine to be effective, we're talking 100 milligrams or so for dihydroberberine to be effective, and it work across the board with uh, almost all bioindividuals. Uh, they're seeing it be effective and you can actually this is like one of those things that I challenge you like if you say oh you know BS like I don't think this stuff works get a glue uh, glucometer you know either a CGM mm -hmm. or you know just a, a standard glucometer and you can check your blood glucose you can check your ketones etc and you will see your blood glucose go down you will see your ketones go up especially if you're a ketogenic dieter just using the dihydroberberine it's effective like i have many stories of like how i've used it with kind of crazy carb cheats and it just it's insane how well it works this stuff works everyone i know who's been using it loves it especially people that are diabetic but even people that aren't let's say you're a bodybuilder and you want that nutrient partitioning mm -hmm. where you're preferentially this is like an amp k effect where you're preferentially storing carbohydrate in muscle as glycogen rather than storing as fat, um, that's an ideal um, you know, body composition uh, layout for you. So, and then to bring this up, this kind of goes into to berberine and some of the other discussions we've had. Some people think that one, there's some, a small amount of data that shows that uh, berberine, metformin, et cetera, might harm the mitochondria. I just want to throw this out there. What we've found is that it's a mitohormetic stressor, meaning that in the doses that we're talking with metformin, with berberine, with dihydroberberine, it's actually a positive stress to the mitochondria. It's like taking your mitochondria to the gym. It does stress them, but it makes them stronger. Now, this is one of the reasons why it's important to take things in the doses that they're recommended 
You don't want to overdose these things. Maybe at some point there is a threshold, just like with antioxidants, they become pro-oxidant. Mm -hmm. You know, this could actually become a harmful thing to the mitochondria. But that's why we're seeing longevity and we're not seeing shorter lifespan or, or worse outcomes with berberine. So to make that clear, that's an important point. Another point that gets brought up is, isn't this harmful to muscle? Like I can't have muscle protein synthesis as much, like et cetera. That's the main question on our, with the sports nutrition channels, that is our, our primary question. What I would say is um, as we age, uh, there's two big reasons for sarcopenic obesity, which means like you're trading muscle for fat. Uh, which is very common. Even if your body weight stays the same as you age, this tends to happen. And it's because like, one, we're not getting the, the bolus of leucine and protein as we age. Like a lot of times we eat smaller meals. We're mm -hmm. just never optimizing muscle protein synthesis. But we're not optimizing muscle protein synthesis because of a couple other things too, which is insulin sensitivity and androgenic hormones. Androgens are declining, insulin sensitivity is declining, and what I've found is that, and, and you can see this across the boards with, with people that are in um, longevity protocols, like uh, anti-aging protocols, when they get something like metformin or berberine and they get something like uh, androgens, like uh, testosterone replacement, whatever, um, even something like exemestane and um, aromatase inhibitor, um, you know, that everything comes back online, muscle protein synthesis comes back online, they hold on to muscle tissue easier. So, yes, it may be anti-MPS in the moment, but we also see anti-aging associated with anti-MPS in other tissues. This is really complicated, but I, I'm getting there, is that I would just not time the berberine around a workout, I would time it around when you're having the carbs, especially if you're a ketogenic diet or maybe time it around like your biggest protein meals. Um, but I would just time it around a higher carbohydrate meal and leave it away from your workout. What if your post-workout meal is your higher carbohydrate meal or whatever? Like, mm -hmm. People who are carbon hard are generally, mm -hmm. some people claim they, they, and they do, they sleep better with that good bolus of carbs before mm -hmm. bed too, so that could be a good time maybe. like. The, the question I would have is like, how insulin sensitive are mm -hmm. you already? How easily are you putting on muscle already? Are you taking androgens on top? If you're already taking androgens on top of it, this is gonna be a non-factor. Mm -hmm. This isn't even a discussion worth having. Like take the metformin, take the berberine, take the dihydroberberine, you're all good. This is a question for the ultra natural bodybuilder and it's a question of your level of insulin sensitivity. I think if you are likely to uh, put on fat easily, then I would lean towards, for your health, for your longevity, for your body composition, leaning towards being a little bit more liberal with the, the berberine or dihydroberberine. Mm -hmm. Maybe if you're someone who has post-carbs and you're naturally lean, then I would just take the berberine at a different time than even your post-workout okay. hmm. you know, type meal. It's, it's just a question of, there's some bio-individuality there as well. Right, uh, and way back, not way back, but like three years ago, I, start, I was tinkering with a glucose, constant glucose meter, 
and it was harder to get. I had to get a prescription from a concierge yeah. doctor. I had the Dexcom G6, which is awesome, but definitely more expensive. We're not at the point where you can get a, a Freestyle Libre. Is that the one? Not Precision. No, yeah, Freestyle Libre, yeah. which we, I've actually had it put on my cat twice <laughs> yeah. because he, he was diabetic. And um, it's become a lot less expensive and a lot yeah. easier to get a prescription. I think the doctors are finally seeing like this stuff is clearly very important. Um, so I'm, I'm going to do a, a couple of rewinds in this conversation. One of the things, the study where you mentioned berberine put, uh, going head to head against metformin, outperforming it in certain categories, especially in terms of side effect profile, that was 1500 milligrams of berberine a day. That's a big yeah. dose. That's like three honking capsules and everything. Yeah. And I am, for those of you watching uh, or listening to audio feed, you don't see, I'm wearing an unbound t-shirt. They have a glucose disposal agent out named Slyn and um, S-L-Y-N and it has six capsules, and then I'll have room to be wasting tons of room for a regular berberine. So they are using the GlucoVantage brand of dihydroberberine, which gave them the opportunity to use a ton of other stuff as well, which they wanted to do. Honestly, I was excited right when I saw the berberine, or I mean the, the GlucoVantage dihydroberberine dose on its own. But the fact is that you need less stuff, it causes less distress, and you're not wasting three capsules in a whole day to get a clinical dose which could jack some people up That's so a great point. right off the bat like i like that and so if you, you know obviously 500 milligrams of berberine regular berberine will have some good benefits but um yeah that one study if we're, we're if we're going to talk metformin we need to talk big dose of berberine and that's not necessarily needed with the dihydroberberine um second thing is like kind of like how it works so uh, the way i understand it correct me if i'm wrong we, we swallow the dihydroberberine glucovantage it then gets processed back into berberine later yeah. on in the plasma or yeah. after the intestines pass it through. So it's yeah. more bioavailable getting through the intestines, yeah. whereas regular berberine has to turn into dihydroberberine, get past in the plasma, and then it turns into berberine. You just lose all sorts of, yeah. of, of you, you have less gain. So yeah. with dihydroberberine, you kind of skip that step and you don't need to, you don't need to like mega dose all this stuff because right. we, we have less stuff to worry about losing. If that, is that kind of like- Yep, exactly. And, and we did a head-to-head -head study uh, at NNB uh, we're processing that data now, but there was, um, it's certainly at least 5X. Like that's what we're seeing. That was from another study that we looked at. But when we conducted ours, we were seeing some individuals be like 10X. Mm -hmm. um, so definitely there there are issues with berberine, bioindividuality at the gut level of things happening. And to your point, I think it's the people that need it the most that have the worst uh, reaction yeah. with the GI distress and the worst conversion. Mm -hmm. So this is where uh, dihydroberberine is advantageous, and and we showed you know dihydroberberine head to head with berberine just vastly outperforming it. It's dramatic. It's definitely dramatic. Yeah. And and to your point, the doses are so much lower. I mean, when you're talking like a hundred, some people go as high as two hundred. Like if I think if you're more on that, maybe therapeutic level then maybe right. you can go that high like mm -hmm. i think if it's more like sports nutrition i think like 100 is fine and mm -hmm. yes again there, there's variance where people want to go with this so uh, and that will factor into some of those other things maybe like muscle protein synthesis maybe you want to take lower divided doses another point that i haven't brought up yet that's really interesting not just the bioavailability you'd think if bioavailability is higher that it just spikes and then it's through and it's you know it's going to be lasting shorter in the plasma just the opposite mm -hmm. it lasts twice as long in the right. plasma so we're recommending instead of the 3x a day like the studies with berberine we're recommending twice a day spread out 
So maybe like, you know, breakfast and dinner type thing. PM, yeah. I, uh, I typically like to do my my supplement dosing like that too. Three times a day, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, is, yeah. is it my job to possibly test things three times a day? Yeah, but I naturally fall, like I was just yeah. saying at lunch, I naturally fall into two meals a day. And I naturally like to fall into AM, PM supplement dosing. So I like that. But yeah, there is that one chart on the dihydroberberine showing just a longer lasting, higher spike. It's just a larger area under the curve where it probably is going to end up being with the data greater than four or five X better than um, regular berberine, which is which is exciting with this stuff because yeah, I don't want to be taking 1500 milligrams of a lot of things. There's other ingredients that we like to talk about and, and occasionally cycle in. So you're just yeah. going to add pills up. So instead of 1500 milligrams, you're taking 200 milligrams. Yeah. And that's, so, that's dramatically different. Right. So let's talk about a few of the use cases. So, because um, I want to speak to like as many audiences as possible, people looking up this ingredient, because um, this isn't just about sports nutrition. We have basically people who are diabetic slash pre-diabetic likely overweight but not necessarily then we have people who are um, overweight in poor health maybe not diabetic but insulin resistant perhaps or they're they're overweight and trying to lo lose weight before things spiral out of control and then we have our athletes who are getting after it and want to pump every last carb into their muscle tissue as they as they can so in the first two cases of the the, the less athletic uh, users one of my concerns is that it makes you, so in general, the dihydroberberine makes you more insulin sensitive. But if their muscle tissues are already saturated, if they're already um, insulin resistant at the liver and muscle, and they eat those carbohydrates, isn't the dihydroberberine just gonna help them store more fat? Or like, do we still need to exercise? Do we still need to tell them to reduce carbohydrate consumption in general? Like where, how do we position this properly and reasonably to to someone who is um, insulin resistant? Is my question. I mean, I would say like not all of the mechanisms are like AMP K is one of the mechanisms, but it's as crazy as this is, and as long as metformin's been out, like mm. not not all of it's actually understood to this point. That's true. But I would say that like including this flu data and like maybe that viruses are associated with metabolic health mm -hmm. anyway completely different topic right but yeah. uh, that there is a lot of data now on diabetics for the last um, I think with metformin and diabetes probably since the 60s that we have a lot of data now like 60 years of data showing that with people that are obese, morbidly obese, that levels of body fat are declining mm -hmm. irrespective of um, the diet. Now, is it ideal, obviously, to pair up like a ketogenic diet or a low carbohydrate diet or a low glycemic carbohydrate diet or something of like where you're mindful of at least glycemic index and glycemic load, mm -hmm. you know, like Mendoza's kind of data that's a little dated, but still you know a great idea at least a place to start one reason i like that is not just glycemic index but the idea of glycemic load like how much of it are you eating is mm -hmm. a factor too yeah. <laughs> like that's nice to be mindful of you know something can be like moderately glycemic but if you're having a ton of it it can end up being high glycemic because right. you had a ton of it mm -hmm. this even happens with protein and like gluconeogenesis so yeah. um so the answer is 
You know, I, I don't know that for sure. But okay, but either way, the data, it seems to be beneficial regardless. Yeah. Um, ultimately, if you, are, if you are insulin resistant, pre-diabetic, diabetic, the easiest way to explain it, and it's probably not the right scientific, but you're, you're glucose intolerant. Mm -hmm. Like you're allergic, not allergic, but it's like being allergic to something. And the doctors are like, oh, just have more of it. Like, no, like either way, if you're intolerant to this and your body reacts so horribly that it puts your blood sugar levels in a toxic state, stop eating as much of that stuff, yeah. no matter what. So like, I, I think we have to say that. Um, and of course, exercise the post-dinner meal or the post dinner post <laughs> post yeah. walk post yeah. yeah going going for that walk after dinner is going to help you dissipate some of that mm -hmm. um but yeah, it seems like glute for translocation into the muscle yeah yeah and, and it definitely seems like the dihydroberberine allows your body to select and get after the muscle a little bit more yeah um as opposed to just wanting to store everything but it's very similar to that to that mechanism that you're talking about mm -hmm. it's like uh, the dihydroberberine is kind of like the postprandial stroll that you're talking about yeah. like right. it's the same kind of concept of like you know shuttling it in and, mm -hmm. you know preferentially into the muscle gotcha that's cool so and then and then we're talking the athletes <laughs> so what is your what would your timing strategy be like right be, like 30 minutes before the major meal the big carbs split it up and then yep. just hammer away at what, what point I, I i think my answer i'm sorry for answering my own question but like the glucose meter is probably gonna give you the best data yeah mm -hmm. um yeah exactly because there's so like it's really fascinating uh rob wolf talks about this in his book wired to eat that like um he looked at, there, there's a study where people have bananas, which is fructose, and they have mm. cookies, which is sucrose. And some people that had the bananas had very little glycemic response. Some people had a massive mm -hmm. glycemic response. Some people that had the cookies had a very a moderate response, and some had a massive response. Mm -hmm. And so this shows the bioindividuality and how we process sugars enzymatically, all right. that kind of stuff that there's huge differences of course the liver is involved with fructose and there's just there, that, there's yeah. there's a lot of like differences that like if you're looking at a glucometer like that's how you're going to like say okay what works for me that's where it's like eye-opening where you can see that stress oh yeah. you know is is pushing up your blood glucose that you can see that overtraining is pushing up your blood mm -hmm. glucose and your hrv that would be another good one to look at mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, certainly certain foods, even when we have too much protein, like we were just talking about, like all these different things, sugar alcohols, or, oh, I thought this was a, a short chain fiber that's supposed to be prebiotic and blah, blah, blah. Oh, it's driving my blood sugar uh -huh. up. Yeah. So that changes from person to person. Certain people are sensitive to uh, sugar alcohols. Some aren't. Mm -hmm. Certain people are sensitive to some of these short chain fibers. Some aren't. Some are sensitive to cookies, some aren't. Some are sensitive to bananas, some aren't. So it's it's definitely most ideal to look at the things that kick it way up there, and that's when you uh, have that dihydroberberine. Right. I've even seen data, and this is for like type, I think it's predominantly for type 1 diabetics, um, who are the real diabetics, honestly, but they uh, black coffee can skyrocket mm -hmm. some of them, which is interesting because it usually doesn't happen. I've done videos testing it on myself and not much of a a spike but some people like it's good to know this stuff so it's kind of cool that we're getting more connected and um but yeah the first time that's when i that's when i became the believer in like chow wells and the chow wells ingredients but i tried your dihydroberberine and i saw like on my cgm i saw the drop start and i'm like oh man i need more carbs i didn't have enough carbs like 
Or, you know, I, I, being that um, I'm used to being in a ketogenic state at some point in the day usually, like I, I'm not afraid of my blood sugar dropping because I know ketones are going to be there to, to pick it up. But for someone who's not used to just popping ketones left and right once in a while, it's probably a good idea to to try to like adjust. Now, I wouldn't like slam the whole, I'm trying to say, I wouldn't try to like tank my blood sugar if mm -hmm. I wasn't fat adapted. Mm -hmm. Is that a good thing to say? So Yeah, exactly. And if you are ketogenic and you are used to having lower blood glucose, uh, this is another like reason why I would I would stay on the lower end at first of, of berberine, dihydroberberine, metformin, certainly. What's the like, lower end of dihydroberberine? 50 100. 100, okay. 100, like until you're kind of adapted at some point to it, or if you're if you're a ketogenic dieter, then, then you're used to kind of operating without, you're not as um, um, sensitive to shifts in blood sugar. Uh, you're going to be like used to, you know, having a suppressed blood sugar. So for you, like maybe you can, the interesting thing that I've done with dihydroberberine is even if I'm like fasting or ketogenic or whatever, mm -hmm. and my ketones are way up, it drives my ketones even further up. Mm -hmm. So um, really interesting thing that you could play with. Again, if you're yeah. a ketogenic dieter or a faster. My, and my take on that, obviously for the average dieter, chase results, not ketones. Like yeah. there's lots of things we could do to spike our ketones. For sure. Um, for me personally, and I've said it in every other time this comes up, so I gotta say it now. If I don't eat, when I am a low carb, on a low carb diet, which I generally am, I need to throw a lot of protein alongside the dihydroberberine. Otherwise, I feel like I start to wither away. Mm -hmm. And um, the ingredient works that well for me to the point where my mom said something one time. So I, uh, I had to pace back the, the dihydroberberine or go and eat a lot, lot more ribeye. And so a lot of times, New York strips are actually my favorite, but that's uh, that's where I need to like slam protein and almost put myself into like a gluconeogenic style, mm -hmm. nearly carnivore diet. I'm not full, but nearly carnivore diet where I let the dihydroberberine kind of catch the spillover, I think is, is kind of maybe what's yeah. happening. It yeah. seems to be the most successful. Yeah. Um, but with 100 milligrams, that is the alpha lion. I, I mentioned Unbound. This is with many other ingredients. If you want to try it on its own with maybe just a little bit of uh, black pepper extract added to it, alpha lion's got 100 milligrams as their dose in their glucovantage capsules. Yeah, and then so. you could flex dose it. You know, Maybe if it's a high protein meal and you're fairly keto, like that that's, you just have one cap, but let's say you're having a, a cheat meal mm -hmm. and it's you know banana cream pie with Nilla wafers you could have two caps and yeah. you can watch you'll be your mind will be blown about like what your glucose does even when you're having cheat meals right and, and for me in terms of in terms of like fat burning weight loss oxid you know fat oxidation everything two studies have been leaning on heavily on the price ball blog um, and their older studies are from the late 60s 70s I think um, they show that beta oxidation and fat oxidation like basically slows the halt if either blood sugar or insulin levels are high. And so if you want to, so like low fat dieters, when they're taking carbs, they're stopping the fat oxidation. Every time they carb up, we become sugar burners. Your, your yeah. energy is coming yeah. in, right? Oh, yeah. An energy source is yeah. coming in and your body is saying like, we need to use it and we need to store it. The last thing we need to be doing right now is burning something for energy when we got tons of energy coming in. Right, exactly. So you become a sugar burner, which I, I'm, I'm not against some low carb or low fat diets though, to be honest, because at least you're not gonna be eating a ton of seed oils, which I think are the number one enemy. But 
and that's not right here and there, but you're like up and down, up and down, up and down, right on the sugar roller coaster, and then stopping fat loss, starting fat loss, stopping fat loss. Whereas to me, a more successful strategy, if you can stick on it for a longer period of time, is to become really good at burning fat. And the, the nasty combination is when you have high glycemic carbohydrate and high fat. Yes. Exactly. And that is a the nasty yeah. combination. And mm -hmm. that is like all of our ultra processed foods. And you're highly likely at that point to be storing all those extra calories, that sugar, that fat, like as fat. Yeah, you're burning. It's, yeah, exactly. So your 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 body got it has to burn the sugar first. Like that is, it's not it's priority. Some people say it's priority because it's your body likes it. Your brain likes the sugar more. No, it's priority because it's the most toxic in your bloodstream. So you burn the sugar first. Guess what though? That cupcake came with a bunch of fat as well. What's my body gonna do with the fat while it's working on the sugar? It gets stored. Right. And um, it slows everything down, sticks in the gut, like gut issues, like just so many, so many issues. Yeah, it's and, uh, calorie in, calorie out doesn't work here. Like I get, mm -hmm. I get the idea of thermodynamics and all that, but there are, there are differences well, hormonally uh, that are happening here. Like if you were to have that high glycemic, like if you were to have a Coca-Cola and six hours later uh, have an avocado, it's very different than if you had those two together at the same time to your body. Agreed, exactly. Yeah, things, things, there are, yeah, orders of operations that I think do matter. And I do believe in calories in, calories out. Yeah. Here's the issue though, is that what people don't talk about is the type of calorie in affects the type of calories out. Exactly. There's several studies, Ludwig out of, um, out of Harvard, and he's parsed this data to death. And it basically shows that higher carbohydrate diets um, lower lower energy expenditure in general. Mm -hmm. And it depends on if you're a heavy insulin secretor. And there are keto diets where it shows that there's lower energy expenditure, and that's because the short-term diets do that. Right. You need to stick on it for at least four to six weeks, and then energy keto expenditure. Keto adapt, and then you have metabolic advantage. Exactly, and then, then you get better energy expenditure. Yeah. But what happens is that we go on these low-fat, low calorie diets that lower our energy expenditure we're putting less energy into the system and we, we're miserable and it, it's not sustainable and so that's where i have a problem but i'm not going to argue calories in calories out i'm saying we need to talk about the the, the i affects the o yeah and too many people don't talk about that yeah and when we're switching it's like a computer switching tasks all the time you lose efficiency yeah i'm a sugar burner i'm a fat burner i'm a sugar burner i'm a fat burner yeah. that's not efficient right i'd rather be a meat and protein burger. <laughs> I'd rather be a meat and fat burner than um, bouncing back and forth. But yeah, when I do like I do like some carbs post workout. I ain't gonna lie. Yeah, That's, I mean metabolic know. flexibility is cool. We've just become highly inflexible. Right. And it's not like uh, people have become inflexible uh, as fat burners. Like they're they're inflexible. Like they're just sugar burner twenty four seven. That's painful. Yeah. And You're that's why we're getting food. insulin resistant. That's why yeah we're becoming addicted to foods. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't have that flexibility anymore. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a just story. Like when when Jill and I started dating, and she was um, she was healthy, but I we'd be playing volleyball, and I'm, I'll go all day long without eating. I can care less. And this is before I even knew about keto. This is like 2012. I, I could care less. Let's play volleyball. But she's like, oh, I'm getting hungry. You're like, what? What's hungry? You're playing. We're out in the sun playing volleyball. Like, this is annoying mm -hmm. me. And you're gonna have to start bringing protein bars because I'm not leaving the courts right. to go and I'm not leaving the courts to go and eat. Like, right. we only have sunshine for X amount of days, right. or you know, whatever it is. So it was a uh, that was like a, a, a conversation. And now looking back, it's like, oh, okay. Well, 
my diet, I didn't realize I was like on a paleolithic diet, but I was fat adapted and I could yeah. care less. And it's like, and what I'm trying to say is it's freeing. Right. I no longer have to worry that I'm my blood sugar is going to crash at, at 11 a.m. Like, I'm going to be hungry. Now, I, 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 what I realized is I can only handle one addiction in life at a time. And you probably know mine is, mine is caffeine. But if you're hooked on caffeine and energy drinks and sugar, and you may not have had good sleep, you don't have no clue why you're tired. Mm-hmm. Your blood sugar might be low and you need that, that fix because you're not fat adapted. You might just be tired. Or you might be crashing from less caffeine. Like I, I can't juggle all that stuff, and that's the the CGM actually taught me that. Um, I was, was my wife, our daughter was a baby, and I was carved up at that point because I was messing with the CGM. I wanted carbs. I want to see how things mm-hmm. reacted. I started like getting tired. I was like, I think I need caffeine. I'm like, this is bad. And then I I, I checked the the Dexcom, and I'm like, oh, I was just tanking my blood mm-hmm. sugar. I was like, I am so like sugar burner right now. But I didn't even know. I thought I needed caffeine until the phone told me that I needed more carbs. And I'm like, this is, that that, that did it for me. That mm-hmm. was like, this is no way to live. I can't be doing that. If I didn't have my CGM on, I would have just been loading up with caffeine. Yeah. And it wouldn't have really have, it would have been a terrible Band-Aid. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm playing with my baby. I don't have time for this nonsense. So mm-hmm. that was one of the things where I realized, like, I don't know, I'm just like a better dad when I'm just fat adapted and don't care. And I will get my two meals of protein in um, pretty regularly. But I noticed that if I'm taking back to the dihydroberberine, if I'm taking the dihydroberberine, if my protein is like below for me, like one gram per body weight, like the 180 grams or so, um, it's not going to be pretty in the long run. So it, it does require still some diligence. Mm-hmm. But the average dieter, I think, can, can easily have some benefits. But those are my rats. I've uh, agree. I follow a lot of this stuff, and yeah, like one of the. One of the most underrated Twitter follows, in my opinion, is Dr. Ted Naiman. He also has some really good infographics on um, on Instagram as well, unless he was canceled. But he's not not he's not a, he's not getting canceled like some of us are. Um, he talks all his like a lot of really good infographics, kind of showing like sugar burning, fat burning, sugar burning, fat burning. I'm just mm-hmm. thinking of one in my head as I'm doing these hand gestures, and um, and there's some people that explain it really well. But sometimes they don't want to go into the supplement space, and I understand that, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, as a doctor, but there is an incredible amount of data on some of this stuff, and and you know you see people talking about berberine, like no, dude, you got to try this dihydroberberine. There's so many less consequences. You take less, and yeah, it's anyone that doubts it clinically, academically, I just say like hook yourself up. Mm-hmm. It'll, it'll like we can we can show you we yeah. can we can show you the data like like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just if you if you if you're like pre-diabetic or overweight. And you don't have a doctor who will prescribe you. Literally, it costs eighty dollars to get it put on our cat. I bet you it'll be even. It, it, it's not expensive. Um, a freestyle libre. I keep thinking the wrong. Yeah, freestyle libre, mm-hmm. which basically means like free. You become free from the the skin pricks or whatever. If you are not, um, and we have no business relationship with Abbott, obviously international. They they're the company behind it. But if your doctor won't give you this prescription, it's time for a new doctor because the CGM is the most like illuminating thing and um and there's see... some non-prescription ones too oh, like not. there's a company levels i believe really? there's, okay yeah there's some companies out there that are doing stuff sweet i kind of get stuck in my ways back <laughs> here but yeah um pretty soon i'll be arming myself and we'll be testing the the slin and having some fun with that so hitting up the double stuffed oreos or whatever it takes to to nice. spike the blood sugar yeah. and just you know what yeah kind of like if you want to have a challenge the standard challenge at a doctor's office is 75, 75 grams, grams of straight glucose dextrose, or dextrose, yeah, same yeah, thing, right? And um, 
So I'd like to have more fun with it. I'd like to do sweet tarts. Like Me that's too. that's a, a predominantly more dexterous thing. But then you could also get into like some of the uh, the more fun stuff, like the double stuffed Oreos. They have some fat involved in yeah. everything as well. But yeah. um, the, the 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 challenge is what you do is you take it on a regular day, um, just have the sweet tarts or whatever it is. See how it goes, and you're going to be up higher, and you're going to see how how high you hang at that 200 blood sugar level. And if you're up there for a very long time you are very insulin resistant and that's that's a serious warning call get regular and then try it again the same time with the same preconditions like whether or not you worked out whether or not you ate that meal do the exact same thing try to sleep the same the next day take the dihydroberberine and then would you say i i almost i said, did this experiment yeah so yeah. 15 20 30 minutes before yeah your yeah and i did i did five double stuff oreos and two frosted <laughs> pop tarts and uh I went from, you know, 60 to 70 was basal blood glucose, uh, checking every 30 minutes. Um, when I did not have mm -hmm. the dihydroberberine, I got up to um, 200, 199 yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, at two hours. Wasn't even sure if it was coming back down. When I did the dihydroberberine, it was never got above 100 and was already coming back down at one hour. Yeah, I, That's an insane difference. Yeah. Insane. <laughs> so I was trying to look up to some, I have some like blood sugar curves on my phone and everything. Um, this is one of my challenges. Yeah, I almost got up to 200 here on this one. The one thing you mentioned though, is you'll notice the, the stress um, spiking your blood sugar a little bit too. And there was one situation, this is one of my last like days on like active on Facebook. And it was in a closed group in our neighborhood. We were having a, uh, it was our old neighborhood, we moved. But we were having a little issue in the neighborhood of certain individuals pooping in the pool and I that was it for me and so I started getting after it and people are like arguing with me like like this is something we need to be respectful about or like you know nice about I'm listen I'm a swimmer I'm not nice about poop anywhere near my pool just mm -hmm. that's just how it's gonna be um and I'm uh, whatever so I got upset and everything but then I realized like okay we're moving anyway I look at my blood my blood sugar levels and I'm going up and it's not it's not horrific it wasn't at 200 but i was like i haven't eaten like what's going on right now i was having some sort of like the cortisol response or whatever it was yeah it's mostly like, liver glycogen yeah, yeah. It's shooting I was it like, up. Yeah. so i'm like this is not healthy mm -hmm. and um so i got off i i actually took a little bit of um i took a little bit of the test i assume it was dihydroberberine that mm -hmm. you had yeah it, it was your 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 formulation mm -hmm. and um a little bit of l-theanine to mm -hmm. relax me a little bit and i was like, all right don't Facebook. <laughs> so like that was that. But yeah, the stress stress can definitely do it. Especially like that was just like a one off like fight or flight type a mad stress. There's also people that just have chronic stress, and I don't even want to know what their their CGMs will look pretty nasty. So right. you start to learn those things, and um, that's ran, where you yeah. see like basal levels be higher. Like, right. You know, instead of being at like 60, 65, 70, like they're just operating at 90, 100, 110, and it's not even like they're like um you know borderline diabetic it's more of like a chronic stress scenario and that that is definitely highly correlated with inflammation and mm -hmm. you know all of that so yeah yeah so good tools either way um with or without the cgm yeah definitely recommend the dihydroberberine but it is it is good to see with it and so you want you want to have tools you can monitor your success your supplements we can feel caffeine you're not always going to feel this ingredient but it can yeah. be seen yeah um, and the branded version is Glucovantage right. <clears throat> from NNB. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, it's a, 
Sorry, it's one of the, uh, you know, I think the most impactful ingredients that's out there. Uh, like I said, it's my number one uh, choice of all ingredients. If I was going to pick one thing, even above fish oil, multivitamin, probiotic, creatine, blah, you know, all this stuff, uh, I would recommend dihydroberberine first, for, first and foremost because it's so impactful to our longevity and because whether you're diabetic or not, it's going to help you live longer, have less inflammation, less dyslipidemia, uh, longer telomeres, healthier mitochondria, on and on and on, less chance of disease. So that's something that I feel is, is critically important. And that's why that study is going on with metformin uh, as well as other new studies that are mm -hmm. going on with berberine and the stuff we're doing with dihydroberberine. Awesome. Yeah, so check it out on um, Pricelot.com. You know what you can do? You go to Pricelot.com slash NMB-nutrition. Look at all of our NMB-based content um, where we do have some videos talking about glucovanage. If you're watching on YouTube, yeah, in the, in the show notes, we will have, um, we'll have links to our other articles about berberine and then specifically the glucovanage. But yeah, we wanted to just get right into dihydroberberine because sometimes we talk about other stuff for way too long, I get a little ranty, and then we get into dihydroberberine. We wanna talk about dihydroberberine first, and then let me get ranty, so. Yeah. All right, yeah. Sean, thanks again. Thanks, brother. And, yep, subscribe to the channel, and we will have more coming. And if you haven't seen our uh, earlier episode talking about the energy formula by Sean Wells, who I feel like we haven't given you the proper introduction today, I apologize, but we have that earlier podcast where you have all kinds of letters behind your name and everything, and Sean is a world-class formulator who's doing such great things behind the scenes, and now we have a book to kind of show for it in front of the scenes, and. Uh, we love to yeah. leverage your information. So thanks for joining. Energyformula.com for the book, at Sean Wells, S-H-A-W-N, Instagram. Thanks, guys. If you have any questions on any of this, I will get back to you. Just DM me. Appreciate it. Thank you.